Let me just pray before we start. Lord God, we thank you uh, for your goodness to us. Uh, we thank you for your love for us. And we pray now that you would speak. Uh, Lord God, speak through me. We want to learn from your word. Uh, and Lord, we thank you for all that we can receive from your word uh, every time we come to it. Uh, Lord, would you draw new things out for us this morning? In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've had plenty of health warnings recently, haven't we? Um, all your social distancing warnings, the things that you can and can't do. Uh, I took both children uh, for checkups at the dentist this week, so there was a whole load of new rules uh, around that. Uh, and of course, yesterday we saw an easing of some of the restrictions. I wonder if you did anything differently. We um, had my mum and stepdad over for dinner last night, which was lovely, and a game tonight, which the kids were really excited about. So we've had lots of health warnings. Uh, today, in this passage from James that I'm going to look at, uh, we have some wealth warnings for us. Um, so there's three wealth warnings I want to um, draw out from today's passage. A warning not to boast about wealth, not to hoard wealth, and a warning against exploiting others. So we're going to get right in with James chapter 4, starting from verse 13. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is a Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. That was an interesting screen just come up for you all there. <laughs> Right, well, so those verses in chapter four, well, never have those verses rung so true as in 2020. Uh, today or tomorrow, you make these plans, um, carry on business, decide what you're going to do, but you have no idea what was even going to happen tomorrow. Uh, I wonder how many of you have shared stories of cancelled holidays, things that you'd planned to be doing in the last few months, uh, where actually, at the start of the year, there was no need to think there would be any issue with them. So one of the things I had planned was uh, early May, I was supposed to be flying out to Guatemala to pick up my mother-in-law and brother-in-law and bring them over to the UK for a visit, uh, during which time we were also going to go to a cottage in Wales. Uh, and of course, all of that got cancelled. Uh, and that's become one of the things, isn't it? Sharing stories of the different things that we've not been able to do. But we do need to be mindful in all that of boasting and mindful of how our conversation may sound to others who can only dream of these things. I think of a colleague I once had and, and her monthly income really only covered uh, her monthly costs and she hasn't been on a holiday for years. And I had to be really mindful when I went into the office not to be talking about my next holiday that I was going to be going on. Um, and certainly if it was now, I wouldn't want to be moaning about the holidays that I'd had to cancel when she could only dream of 
booking a holiday. This passage comes down to a heart position. Uh, and I think it's, you know, the whole passage also has the solution for how we look at our lives and the different things that we plan. You see, we need to recognize that actually being able to make plans like this is something that we as relatively rich people are able to do. Uh, there are many, many people around the world who um, live hand to mouth, uh, do not have, you know, just have what they need for each day. They're not able to plan to purchase a house or plan to do a holiday. And there's just, you know, we need to remember that first of all, the fact that we can plan uh, is a gift um, because of the ability uh, that you know, some here may not be able to. So we are blessed by God in what we can do. But the thing is that when we say, I'm going to go to this city or that city and, and do these things, we can sometimes act as if we're in control and we forget God's sovereignty. And that's why this passage is really helpful just to show us the way that we could look at things. So it talks about the fact that we don't even know what will happen tomorrow. We're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And actually what we ought to say is, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. That is such a powerful verse, if it is the Lord's will. Now it's interesting, but in Guatemala, they have a saying uh, which is primero Dios, so first God. And it's actually a phrase that is used all the time. So you might be at church with everyone and say, see you next Sunday, primero Dios, God willing, essentially, God first. And therefore, the way that they talk about everything is looking at that sense of what God wills. And so even something as simple as see you tomorrow, primero Dios, see you next week, primero Dios. And when I think about how my mother-in-law was looking at her trip to Britain, I see a very different heart position that I want to learn from and emulate because, you know, I had it all in my diary. It was all planned. I was going, it was definitely going to happen. And then during May I had, you know, it had all been blocked out uh, and it was really quite hard to see all that blocked out, but she wasn't like that. She accepted that it was happening, primero Dios. And my sense is that when it could no longer happen, she accepted it in the same um, attitude of humility um, as she accepts the things that she is able to do. And I think there's much to learn there uh, of a heart attitude that we recognize, we know that everything comes from God, but there can be a temptation sometimes to forget that. Uh, and this passage reminds us, it's a wealth warning uh, on boasting, but it gets down to the fact of, well, the things we can do are because God has blessed us. The things we're able to see uh, are because of God's blessing and provision. Uh, and it's because it's his will, ultimately. I love that picture of being a mist. So a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. It's a reminder that our life is fleeting. We don't know how long we'll be around in this world for. But I also love that picture. When you think of a mist, it sort of descends, doesn't it? When I think of it coming down the streets around here, it descends and it's there and then it lifts again. You know, you, we come into this world for a fleeting time and we have an opportunity to permeate lives 
for God's kingdom. It's an incredible privilege and opportunity to come into different people's lives. It's what we've seen more at the moment, isn't it, with our neighbours, that opportunity to permeate lives and to be a blessing and to bring God's light into that, into, into situations that we may encounter uh, and just take him everywhere we go. So the first warning, do not boast. And actually there's a really, something I really wanna pull out through these three warnings is the importance of relationship. You see, actually, if we were told that life was ending tomorrow, if you knew that the, the end was tomorrow, I wonder what you would be focusing on today. And I think, you know, we'd all be the same. We'd be focusing on the key relationships in our lives. All plans and anything else would go out the window and we would focus in on relationships over things. And that is a theme we're going to see in the other two warnings as well. So these next two use some of the strongest language in the New Testament. So uh, we're going to read through it. Uh, prepare yourselves. It's pretty uh, hard hitting. So James chapter 5 verses 1 to 6. Um, hopefully the words will come up. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury, and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. So pretty strong language. Uh, first of all, I want to draw out the two warnings, but then also reflect on who James uh, may have actually been addressing in these verses here. So wealth warning number two, do not hoard. Uh, so your wealth has rotted, moths have eaten your clothes, your gold and silver are corroded. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Now, um, I've been doing the School of Leadership uh, this year um, with Christ Central. And the last session of this academic year, which was in June, uh, was on social action. Natalie Williams came to share at that. And um, it was you know, a lot of discussion about uh, God's heart for the poor and our call to love uh, those who are in poverty. Uh, but we did make reference as well to this verse about hoarding or saving. And it was interesting to hear the different opinions on this. So uh, Natalie was fairly strong on thinking it's not right to save. You know, hers was quite a radical position, probably, we'd say. And she asked the question, is it ever okay for me to have way more than I need when others do not even have the basics. Is it ever okay for me to have way more than I need when others do not even have the basics? That's a challenging question, isn't it? Uh, now she is, uh, the co contrast with that was that Martin Charlesworth, who we now all know, uh, was facilitating it and he was saying about the fact that obviously they'd saved for their children's education and there are lots of important reasons we save but that they'd got to a point where they thought we have all we need, now we will give 
over and above, you know, everything else, we, you know, we've, we've reached the level we need. And, and I think that, you know, there is something about looking at the way we spend our money. John Wesley is a particularly radical example of this. He of the Methodist faith, uh, he used to um, give away everything over his basic living standards. So he needed 28 pounds to live. So the first year he earned 30 pounds. So he kept 28 pounds and he gave the other two pounds away. The next year he earned 60 pounds. He kept 28 pounds and he gave the other 32 pounds away. And as his income went up, he continued to keep that basic amount and give the rest away. Such was it that one year he earned £1,400, which would have been a lot of money in those days, and he kept £30, so he'd gone up a little bit for his basic costs, and he gave the rest away. I think radical examples like that are always good to just be mindful of the way that we spend our money. I want to also remind you of the parable that Jesus taught about the barn, uh, where it's actually called the parable of the rich fool. Uh, this is found in Luke chapter 2. In this parable, uh, Jesus uh, is challenged um, and about someone who wants to divide the inheritance with his brother. And he tells the parable of this guy who had a barn. Um, he had such a good crop that he didn't have space. So he tore down his barn to build a bigger barn to store all this grain. Um, but there's a really interesting verse in here that Mark's just brought up. In Luke 12, 17, it says, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Now we just, we just read over that, don't we? But actually, uh, Middle Eastern culture, both now and then, is a community-based culture. When people were making decisions about their businesses, about their farms, they would have consulted with others. They would have said, well, you know, what, what's good to you? What shall we do as a group? But the fact that he thought to himself implies that he was isolated. He had no one else to talk to. The sense is that such were his decisions and attachment to wealth that he had prioritised possessions over people. He was left alone and could only ask himself. Uh, and then as Jesus teaches, you know, you fall this very night, your life will be taken from you. And it says at the end of that parable, this is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Proverbs 30 verses 8 and 9 talks about giving me neither poverty nor riches but give me only my daily bread and actually if we were to say for every eventuality we would never have the blessing of giving beyond our means and we'd also have never have the blessing of receiving the help of others something that is just an incredibly special experience. So do not boast, do not hoard. And the third wealth warning is about exploitation. So uh, the picture here is of a businessman and he is not paying his harvesters. So the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. Um, you've lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. And in that last verse, you have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. That's possibly a suggestion that by not paying wages, these people are condemned to starve, to ultimately die of hunger. The contrast is stark. 
Uh, and the warning actually is, is clear. When we look at the whole book of James or the whole Bible, this way of living is not right. In fact, wealth has distorted these rich oppressors. It's taken hold of them that they would withhold wages from the harvesters uh, so that they can just indulge even more. Now, I certainly hope no one who here owns a business is withholding wages from their staff. Uh, in fact, I'm sure they're not. And actually, some commentators believe at this point in, in James's letter, he's not addressing the Christians that he's writing to. Now, the reason they say that is, first of all, he says, listen, you rich people. Whereas the majority of the letter, it's brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. Listen, you rich people. But also there's no exhortation at the end to, to you know, we've been looking as we've been looking through these passages about how there's certain practices that we would do well to avoid and what we should do instead. But there's no exhortation about what to do instead here. It's simply a judgment on these rich oppressors it's possibly a lot more likely that the people who were listening to this were those harvesters whose wages were being withheld. And if you read it in that way, you see that there is real comfort because it says the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. So there's that comfort that they have been heard. Uh, and there's also the reminder that there is a higher judgment. So right on verse one of chapter five, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. However, I don't just want to skim over this wealth warning if God would have something to say to us. And it is a good opportunity to reflect on how we spend our money uh, and whether we inadvertently exploit people by choosing to buy from companies with poor practices. Years ago, there's a big focus on the sweatshops and I've seen various programs, I'm sure you have, about a, a lot of improvements in sweatshops uh, in different parts of the country um, where people are working in factories so that we can have cheap shoes. Fair trade, of course, is another area and it was great to see this past week uh, different members of our congregation highlighting um, a decision that Nestle is making about moving away from fair trade uh, and there was a petition that we were able to sign. Also in our own country, there's been a lot of focus on our key workers uh, and many of our key workers are not receiving a decent wage or they're on zero hours contracts where you know, their income is very unstable, it's very difficult. And of course, uh, we love being able to be part of Christians Against Poverty uh, and stepping in to help in situations of debt. When you look at these kind of things, whatever it may be that particularly interests you uh, in the area of uh, responsible business, it's about cultivating relationships. It comes back to relationships. Not paying wages is an extreme example uh, of not cultivating a relationship. But some of these other ways are putting people on a different level and not valuing the work that they do. I think there's much to be gained. You know, I was just thinking back to when Simon preached a few weeks ago and that reminder that the book of James is not about faith as a root. Uh, you know, our doing is not a root of our faith. It's a fruit. So this isn't supposed to be some legalism slapping all over the wrist. This is supposed to be a recognition of our relationships with God and with others and how that translates into the day-to-day -day of our living and how that relates in to money. 
so, you know, you think back of these three warnings. We have that warning not to boast, to be mindful, first of all, of our relationship with God, that everything comes from him, that we are to be in an attitude of humility in regard to our relationship with God and mindful of how it sounds to others around us, loving our neighbour, being conscious. The second is not hoarding and the way that Jesus ended that parable, that we are to be um, rich towards God and loving towards our neighbours. And thirdly, not exploiting, not taking advantage of others, being mindful of how we generate wealth, and resisting the temptation to minimise expenses by going to disreputable buyers. Remember, everything could disappear tomorrow. And it's good to remember our dependence on God. Now, there's nothing wrong with money. Please don't hear me wrong. Uh, and we need people who can give to help those in need. I would say that running Acts 435. Uh, if we didn't have the people who were giving to help those in need, we wouldn't be able to help the people. Uh, who have got so many needs. Uh, but just let's remember 1 Timothy 6 verse 9, it's the love of money that is a root of all kinds of evil. The love of it, as we've seen in this passage today. So let me finish with 1 Timothy 6 verses 6 to 10, which sums it up far better than I could. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. We are called to flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance and gentleness.